Right, we're saying it's okay to be messed up over this month as we are in Mental Awareness Month. We will be talking about different issues as it relates to mental wellness, mental health, and I keep saying we, and I have not introduced ourselves. So, hi, my name is Deidre Walker, and I serve as one of the volunteers for Mission One Race. And I am joined by an amazing panel. Um, there is Jaira Miller and uh, Dr. Sean Moore. Jaira, if you could please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jaira Miller. I've been working with Mission One Race since 2019, and I am about to start my own practice in mental health counseling. Awesome. And Dr. Moore. Hello, uh, I'm Reverend Dr. Sean Moore. I've also been with uh, Mission Race uh, from the beginning, sitting on the board, doing a few things. And I am also uh, interested in mental health. And I'm also a, a student who's working on his marriage and family therapy degree also. Thank you so very much for introducing yourself. So let's dive right into it. So my question for the panel is, why do you think it's important to discuss matters with mental health? Jyra? All right. Well, so often I think we have, um, we, we try to go it alone. And oftentimes that means falling back into patterns that we were taught or that we learned as kids. Very often that happens at as patterns from childhood. And we it's very difficult to see the patterns ourselves. And it requires other people to speak into our lives that show us our patterns that worked probably very well when we were children and was a good way to survive as children. But now they don't work so well and we need to kind of reform them. Awesome, that's an awesome answer. Uh, I think that we uh, we tend to not look at ourselves uh, holistically, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, spiritual, physical, and mental well-being, um, and it, it appears to be, or it can uh, look as if we tend not to take it uh, serious as our, our mental health, right? And so what does it mean to be healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually, and also, as we look at our, our overall health care system and the disparities that certain racial groups have, it's highly important that we have uh, mental health um, experts out there dealing with the issues that tend to uh, plague 
uh, particular groups um, and stifle them. Awesome. Thank you. So essentially what we're saying is it's, it's, we want to discuss it because it's important to address the patterns and it's important to understand um, what is happening. And in that understanding what is happening, there's a sense of understanding your authentic self. So I would say, how would you define authentic self? And Dr. Moore, you can start. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think it's uh, there's an easy answer, then there is the complicated answer, and somewhere in between those two is the right answer. So the the easy answer it just means at its most uh, authentic original self, right? It's most authentic or at its, its original self, but that's just the word authentic. When you talk about the authentic self. You know, how is it that one's able to really know the self, right? Am, am, I, am I being truly who I am? So how much of who I am is based upon how I was raised? How much of it is in my environment? Uh, how much is it is uh, my DNA? Uh, so you've got multiple issues going on as it relates to uh, your authentic self. But if I had to give an answer, which I do, I would say that uh, the authentic self is who you truly are at the core. Now, at that same time, if you don't know who you are at the core, uh, you can't really act uh, in an authentic way. Yeah, I really like how you brought in there's family uh, contributors to who we become, and there's greater community and systemic issues that contribute to who we become. And each of those things tend to either help us become more truly who, who we are and our, our likes, our desires, or tamp it down. Um, I think of for like an example of um, between my kids, we have some kids that are outgoing and some that are a little bit more kind, considerate, um, and, and, and out of that flows a quietness and a deference. And so for me to help the deferring child to actually speak what she desires and what she wants and the outgoing one of occasionally has to be told, okay, enough, you're not the boss. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Um, yeah, I think it's. There's the real self, self seen by self, self seen by others. And if you can begin to balance these three out, then you can you begin to see the authentic self, who you really are, how you see yourself and how others see you. So it's impossible to have one of the three be who you are without the other two contributing at some time, and there are points in our lives when we have uh, two of the three operating or one or, uh, you know, they're not firing uh, evenly. And I think that's the goal of the authentic self that you, the real you, the self seen by you and the self seen by others are pretty much on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes it's hard given the pressures of different arenas that we live in 
work, society, family, um, to sometimes, it seems like there's a couple of different reactions to that. Some just cater to what they're expected to do and some rebel against. Those are kind of like the two extremes of what they're expected to do. And both have aspects of who they really are. Um, and they, I, I feel like the way to begin to bring both those sides back together into who we really are is to just acknowledge in the moment, what am I feeling? What am I feeling right now? It doesn't mean you have to act on it. If it's like, I wish he would die. I want to kill him. It doesn't have to be, I, I don't have to act on that, but acknowledging that feeling is really freeing to the inside of who we are and allowing that part that is desperately wounded to speak. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, also, I think there's also these outside barriers. Like it's kind of like cooking bacon naked, right? <laughs> you, can, you can cook bacon in your own house completely naked. If you're in the park and you're barbecuing, you cannot cook bacon naked because you'll get. So, again, there are these outside factors that place themselves on. No, am I my my real self is like this, but my real self isn't like this in this place. Or is it is that truly the case or these outside factors like you can't do this here? And so I think, it's, again, it goes back to what I said. It's. It's very complicated saying this is the real me at home. This is the real me at work. This is the real me at play because each one of those things at home, at play with friends and at work all have different uh, parameters uh, for my behavior. Such, such a great point. So here's, here's a question. Cause I keep hearing real me here, real me there. What happens to the individual that knows the role? And if we want to say that's them to be at work with their friends at parties and knows the role in front of authority or parents, but doesn't understand what the them is like, how do they define that? Because all I, all they can see is in this place, I play this part. In this place, I play that part. And they've never actually dove in to say, who really am I? Or even those that have the mental challenges of hearing voices, not knowing which personality that's inside their mind, which might not be reality or maybe is them. So how do you dig through everything that's mentally going on to figure out who you is? Gotcha. I, I would say that... Uh you first have to have reconciliation with the self. You need to be reconciled with yourself. And so uh, my research, my model has, has, I've determined that number one, you need to be able to uh, uh, Ubuntu, be in community with yourself. You need Sabona. You need to be able to see yourself you need to then co-create different boundaries and or how do I relate with those outside? Because that will tell you how you're going to behave inside by what's going on on the outside. Then you write covenants, you, you make a pact with yourself, and then you work on those practices over and over. So as it relates to 
reconciliation with others, it's the same way, but you're with yourself. I first need to build community within me. I need to truly see me, which it might mean getting professional help. It might mean an an array of things, but you can't really co-create without seeing who you actually are. And you can't co-create without actually writing covenant. And there's no such thing as covenants if you're not going to master what you're going to do. So there's this process of uh, community, co-creation, covenant writing, mastery with the self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think practically you can begin to reconcile with yourself by acknowledging and accepting your own wants and desires. I think so often we cave to the pressure of what society thinks or what family thinks or what we, the rules and the pressures that we put on ourselves. And therefore we should do this and we ought to do that. And we never take time to think, what do I want? What do I actually like? What am I actually good at in all of the shitting on ourselves? The, yeah. the, the reaching out for authentic self completely relates to how am I going to be creative? Mm-hmm. Can you expound on that? So uh, creativity, in my opinion, is the idea of bringing order to chaos. So uh, as, as a believer, as someone who believes in a creator or a, a, an, uh, uh, a proto a personal proto-movement, you've got chaos, you've got, and then you have a word spoken adding creativity to this. And so you you bring creativity to chaos. And so our lives are chaotic. And the only way to to, uh, actually balance the scales is to come up with creative ideas to take care of myself uh, to take care of others. And so uh, uh, engaging in our mental health is also an act of being creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about the times when I'm most alive. It's when I'm planning for something, which create, takes creativity to discover where are the weaknesses, where are the strengths, where are the, um, when I'm, participating in something that requires something different of me than what I'm expected to do. Yes. Thinking of just forming yourself and and being yourself and, and Jaira, how you pointed out earlier that you have kids with different personality. How is it as individuals, parents, how do you help your children become authentically themselves and not who you want them to be. No, Sean, why don't you start with that one? Your, your kids are older than mine. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's very difficult. I think it's a, it's, it's a very challenging, difficult thing uh, because it's the idea of you, you, you love this, these individuals and you want what's best for them. And so how you navigate your reality is that if you're if if you are fully functioning and you you think you're fully functioning, then what you have to say isn't 
is the truth, right? We don't think we're going to instruct our kids on doing bad, evil things. When I'm telling my son or my daughter, here's how the world works, I'm not doing it to create problems. I'm creating to have least amount of problems, but they may see it completely differently. Like, I don't see it that way, dad. I'm like, this is the way it is. And you can't boom, boom. I think it's the idea of the same way uh, you, you hold water, right? If you take water and put it in the palm of your hand and then squeeze, water shoots out all the cracks. But if you hold your hand really, really tight and pour water, you can have water be in the palm of your hand. It's this idea of giving a strong, rigid structure, but it's open enough for there can be change. And so when you squeeze and manipulate, uh, it, 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 it escapes. And so for me, it's the idea of letting, giving my kids my boundaries, my standards of what it, here's what it means to be a more. Sean Moore, Jessica Moore, the Moores do it like this. But then again, Olivia Moore may say, my daughter may be like, I don't see it that way. I see it like that. And then again, it's the idea of loving her enough to let her do her own thing and loving my kids enough to uh, let them do uh, what I would call risky, risky behaviors in a safe environment right? Risk is a part of everything. So you can't, I can keep my kids from doing dangerous things, but you can't keep them from doing risky things because if they don't do it in front of you, they'll do it when you're not around. So allow your kids to take risk, uh, but make sure that you're move, removing the danger from them until they get older to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I love that example of the squeezing versus the holding, and, it, and and especially the picture of it being a tight hold or a tight um, pressure, but yet there's still space for the water to move and to breathe. Um, one way that I try to do that, especially with my son, I would say he and I have the most difficulty connecting, um, probably due to sensory issues. and. Um, I've been lately trying to pay attention to what is it that seems to calm him down, seems to excite him, seems to help him feel more secure. Um, and so that that formed like in the morning, I wake him up by scratching his back. And that particular way I stumbled onto is so much better than me shaking him awake and telling him to get up. Um, it just that little tiny difference makes a huge, huge difference for the day. Mm. Awesome. When looking at all the people that we impact and being conscious of the environment around us and being conscious of who we are, how do you encourage people to um process in a safe way when they're confused as to who they are when they're trying to find themselves yeah that's that's really hard because a lot of people don't live in safe places um you have domestic violence you have racism you have systemic um other i mean the disabled are often not safe lgbtq um 
But if you, I, I think the important part is to find a place, however small. If for me, I had the bathroom where I could lock the door and I could sit on the toilet for a few minutes. Um, so through the worst of it for me, that was at least a space where I could cry for a few minutes and then I had to pull myself back together and go out. Now there's there's um, the suicide hotline. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't look that one up. I can look that up before we go off, um, off recording. Um, and there are, there are other hotlines that can be called, which are really good resources and they can set you up towards more, more resources too. Yes, I, I completely agree. Uh, there's, there's no such thing as growth without a safe space. You first need to have a safe space. And again, if it's a bathroom, if it's a support group, if it's a hotline, if it's a, a walk in the park, but for for there to be growth, uh, there needs to be, it's planting something. When you plant seeds, you need to make sure that squirrels and other animals aren't digging it up, that it's not too hot, that it's, uh, it's sheltered, it's watered. I mean, it's the idea of putting... Uh, seeds in soil that's been that's weedy uh, that birds come you need to put good seed with good soil and the only way to grow seeds is in good soil so i think step one is finding uh, a safe space and like jared said it could be by yourself it could be with others it doesn't have to be huge it doesn't have to be 250 people safe it just needs to start off by saying how do you feel safe? What do you need for you to grow mentally, physically, and spiritually? Uh, and once you have that, you can begin to see little, like out of the dirt comes these little little sprouts. And from there, you can continue to grow. But you need to have a safe space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such good points. In, in, in reference to the foundation and in reference to something you said earlier, Reverend Dr. Moore, um, with certain communities, there's that lack of safe space in reference to talking about mental concerns. And so how would you um, describe the environment and how would you suggest or, or give advice to those that want to learn more about their foundation in their family when it comes to mental status, but it's a taboo to discuss? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like I said, um, the, in, in my community uh, here uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, I live in uh, what's called Frogtown, which is uh, uh, highly populated with uh, BIPOC community members here. And uh, it becomes um, a challenge to get people to talk about uh, their mental health issues because, number one, uh, it's, it's taboo, right? You don't air out your dirty laundry and you don't air out your dirty laundry in front of mixed company, right? And so the idea of uh, people of color going to a, a white therapist and sharing with the therapist, here are my issues. Uh, number one, it breaks multiple uh, taboo codes, uh, but it's the issue of uh, you have these issues then how do you work them out? And so that's probably the number one reason why uh, I'm back in school 
working on this uh, degree in marriage and family therapy because I myself couldn't find uh, folks of color that could help me with my issues that I had. Uh, and when I do send them out, uh, they didn't tell me the, the individuals that they're working with don't really have a concern for their context and where they come from. And so, uh, again, uh, the way in which you begin this by it, it's finding people that are uh, that have representation for what you understand and what you know. And so uh, they may be difficult to find, but there are uh, uh, organizations that deal with BIPOC community members that are staffed by people of color, uh, that, are, that are staffed by people who understand the context you come from. Because again, uh, the first step in helping someone work through uh, uh, something that's going on is to have an understanding of what they're talking about. It's the idea, I understand what you mean, because I also come from this environment. And so I think representation within the mental health uh, community uh, is a must, uh, hands down. Anyone who argues against it, I would, I would with, with respect, disagree that uh, anyone can help anyone else. I tend not to agree with that. You have to have an understanding of the context uh, that's what's going on. And so I, I guess the way I would say is that uh, thick culture, cultures that are thick with rites, rituals, traditions, and customs need to have a therapist who also has a thick understanding of those things. So uh, you can't have a thin culture and deal with someone who's very thick. They both have to be very thick. And so uh, that's just my my opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think I would agree. Um, my training says until you've done your own work, you can't help anybody else. And there's a lot of, um, especially white therapists who haven't really dived into um, racial identity at all, their own or anybody else's. And if you, if I as a therapist have not done any work there, how can I deal with somebody who leaves, lives it every day? Um, going back to what Sean said about um, finding a therapist that fits your mindset and has had some of the same experiences or similar experiences, Psychology Today has a list of, um, it's a database of therapists throughout the whole country. Um, and so you can kind of search for your specialty and most of them have pictures. So you can kind of gauge and they all have a bio um, and you can kind of gauge what their experience and their training and who they are as a person. Um, unfortunately, mental health therapists are really filled up right now. And so it can be difficult, but I would encourage um, somebody looking for a therapist to just keep reaching out. Community mental health can be a great first place to start. Um, oftentimes it's just a few sessions, but it gives you something to start with. Group therapies are another option and a lot of clinics offer those. Um, and then I also said I wanted to uh, give the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, the number is 800-273 
and they're really great at talking to you and helping you get connected with additional resources. Awesome. And such great thoughts and perspectives. So I would ask both you, Jaira, and Reverend Dr. Moore, if you wanted to tell anyone one key thing um, that they should be mindful of when trying to find and be their, their authentic self, what would you say? Mm. We'll start with you, Jaira. Okay. My path to authenticity um, was definitely along the route of, oh, I really hate this. <laughs> and just sitting in that in the moment, not doing anything about it, but allowing myself to be really, truly admit something that I really didn't like because hating is bad, right? <laughs> so um, an example of a minor um a minor instance is my ex loved to make his coffee a very very special inconvenient way it tastes amazing but it's inconvenient to make well it, as the story goes this is the best way to make coffee and this is people who know anything about coffee this is the way it's drunk and so for years after we split, I either had tea or coffee made this way. And I realized the other day, I don't actually care about the flavor as much as I thought. <laughs> you, so, so it's just, and, and it's amazing how long that takes. But as you begin to accept a little emotion of like, gosh, I just really don't want to be at this party right now. I think whether I leave right then or stay acknowledging the fact I really don't like this or that thing that that person said to me, that really stressed me out. You don't necessarily have to react. You can, you don't have to. But the more you acknowledge what you're actually feeling in that moment, the more you move from catering to what you should do to becoming who you really are. That's an excellent word. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I would say that um, you need to ask yourself three questions. Um, the first question is, is this safe in anything? Uh, am, am I going into a safe space? Uh, and if the answer is yes, then continue. Uh, the second question is, uh, can I grow here? Right, because it might be a safe space, but there may not be any room for you to grow. So, is it safe, and can I grow? Because you're, you're you're actually trying to build your 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 inner self to fill out the capacity of the container. Then you're like, oh, another container, and another container, and uh, you're supposed to grow uh, and be joyous and wonderful and expand as much as you possibly can in this lifetime. And the third thing is. Uh, where are my people? Where are my people, right? And your people will act and engage in reality like yourself. So I'm not saying that there's no, there's not a place for uh, intersectionality and multicultural communication, um, multiracial. I'm what I'm saying because you can you can have all those things and it still not be your people. You can have all those things and then have them be your people. So I think step one is asking, 
am I safe? That's for, am I safe? Number two, can I grow here? Number three, are my people here? And I think if we can continue to do this in each one of our spaces, then, then you can get to that idea of, I really don't want to be here. And you can, like you said, you can respond or not respond. But once you know you're in a safe place where you can grow and you have your people, then you begin to get tools to be able to construct uh, the reality that you want to have. And I guess that's what it means to be authentically you. You're using your tools and your material to construct something that you are proud of. Awesome. Love it. And thank you for sharing. And again, for those that are watching, the whole purpose is for you to be able to start to reflect and think and identify who you authentically are and whether it's the norm in your culture or not, because it's not in mine to have those conversations with your loved ones or the ones that give you your foundation to understand what goes through your family, what roots you have, and then to be able to identify what you are, because you're not going to be who your parents are. You're not going to be who your aunts, uncles are, are, or your friends are. You need to be essentially you. And if you need to find that out, or if you're having a hard time identifying who that is, seek help and work it out. So thank you all so very much for your time. And we look forward to having you all join us again as next week we talk about how to relate with others while being yourself. To make it better than change this world. One race where we'll scream together. Please change my heart. That will be reality. Changing my eternity. Change my life just a little bit to make it better than change this world. What race we will scream together, please change my heart. That will be reality. I'm changing my eternity.